The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are doing an AMA on air or an Ask Me Anything on air, which is one of my favorite episodes to record. It's where I give you my hot take. You guys submit questions through my personal Instagram every Monday night. If you ever want it answered on the show, just put a little microphone in there for me and I will take it and it will eventually get answered. Now, as always, This show is not a replacement for professional mental health help or support. So if you do need that, please check the show notes. We have quite a few questions today. Well, we have four, but one of them is quite long. So I'm going to dive into that one first. Okay. And I love that this listener has sent me some context because it is a juicy one. Question number one, I have recently become successful in becoming a relief team leader at work where I have been employed for four years. I'm so excited for the opportunity. However, there will be a time that I have to manage the people I have worked with for so long. I really need advice on how I can navigate still being friends with my colleagues, but also being their team leader. I've heard that people at work treat you differently when you get promoted, and I would love some tips to navigate this. I've also been hearing rumors that people are unhappy that I got the job, which has really put me down and I don't want to let it get to me, but it does hurt. Now, firstly, congratulations to this listener and thank you for sending this through and thank you for the context. I appreciate when I have more to work with, so thank you. It sounds like you have worked really hard and it sounds like you are super deserving of this opportunity and I hope that you take some time to acknowledge and appreciate that about your own efforts and about your own accomplishments. I also hope that you negotiated a big salary when you took this promotion. Fingers crossed that you did and I feel like personally, I can relate to this question in some previous roles that I had, which I'll talk about in a second, but I feel like anybody else who works for an employer that promotes internal career progression will also be able to relate to this. There are always going to be people who miss out on jobs or maybe unhappy that you got the job over them. There is always going to be workplace gossip and workplace rumors going around as well. And I know it can be hard, but it is really important that you don't let that external noise get to you. A thing that I like to do in every area of my life is just stay focused on my own actions, stay focused on my own behavior, stay focused on the things that I can control. We can't control others. We can't control how they see us, how they perceive us, how they want to talk about us. Unfortunately, I know if we could, that would be really lovely, but we can't. And so I really believe that you can become an amazing manager, an amazing team leader. The fact that you've written this in shows me that you're getting ahead and on the front foot. And I would love for it to be a situation where like your future staff think, oh my gosh, I love having her as my manager or I love working for her. I want to keep working for her forever because I think if you can foster that dynamic in whatever team that you're leading and harnessing that leadership skills, you can create some serious success. Now, obviously I work for myself, elephant in the room, but when I did work in corporate, I worked a couple of management roles. There was one role where I was assisting almost like a 2IC assistant type of role where we were leading and managing a team of about 15 people. And then in my last job, right before I quit to pursue everything else that I've been pursuing, I was reporting to a national manager and I was kind of sitting in between the national manager and the state managers and looking after 
almost like a national sales team. Again, a similar role in the sense that I was assisting the national manager there. But I will say I definitely experienced that dynamic of managing people that had hired me, (laughs) managing people that were older than me, managing people that I was friends with as well. I never really had anyone be unsupportive in any of those roles, thankfully, but it is a weird dynamic. And I think what it comes down to is just focusing on leadership. And so I'm going to give you some tips and tricks. And I feel like anyone else listening, even if you're not in a leadership role, maybe you want to be in a leadership role. I feel like these are super handy and could help you kind of get to that next step too. Now, The first thing that I recommend you do is assess, (laughs) assess the situation. You're going to assess two things. Firstly, yourself as a leader, and that looks like looking at all of your strengths, all of your weaknesses, where you need to improve, where you are already skilled at as well, and looking at your behavior and seeing if you are leading by example. The best leaders that I've had in my life working for people have always been very self-aware and able to identify that about themselves. You're then also going to assess your team because every single person you lead is going to be different. I think in all the jobs I've had, leading people or managing people has been one of the hardest because you're dealing with so many different personality types. You're dealing with so many different people. You need to learn how they're motivated. You need to learn how they become engaged. You need to learn how to have difficult conversations with them, how to get the best out of them. Obviously, this all takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, but these are just some key points for you to think about when you do step into this role. The next tip is having a plan. Now, again, you're going to have a plan really for the business. That's one side of it, but then a plan for yourself as well. I don't know the finer details of your job or your position or what industry that you work in. For me, I came from sales teams. So my plan was always about how can we get the most sales? How can we smash our targets? How can we do this by end of financial year or each quarter? And it's just having that strategy. It's really having a detailed way to get the team from where they are to where you want them to be. And I guess that will then lead into your own like career progression and success as well. Because if management sees you doing that for the team in whatever way, shape or form, then it's going to reflect well on you too. As for the plan for yourself, this looks like investing in your own personal growth and your own personal development, both professionally and personally. And I'm not sitting here saying you have to go sign up to do a leadership course tomorrow, but are you reading leadership books? Are you watching, I don't know, leadership TED Talks or listening to podcasts on leadership? How are you upskilling? Any of those areas where you see gaps in your own ability, how are you closing those gaps is what I'm trying to say. And I did one leadership course back in, I think it was in 2019, right before COVID. And That was when I was obviously very much into my corporate career pathway and it was so helpful. It was just a day course and I didn't get any certificates or anything from it, but it was just really good because it highlighted like the skills and areas that I needed to improve on and helped me step into a different level of leadership as well. The next tip is to be open to continually learning. And when I think back to the best managers I had or the best leaders that I had in my life, they were always learning. They were always there knowing that there was room for growth and that you couldn't be perfect at literally everything. There was always room to improve and room to be better. And that is, in my eyes, how you become an effective leader and how you become more efficient in your leadership too. And then my last tip 
This one is so underrated, but I feel like it is life-changing and that is to find a mentor. And this could be someone that you currently work with. It could be your current manager, the person maybe that hired you for the job. It could be an ex-manager, someone you used to work for, or it could even be somebody that you didn't necessarily report to, but maybe admired in a different pathway or a different area of your life. And what I mean by finding the mentor is like challenging that energy, seeing how they do things, especially the things that they do well, and then trying to emulate that in your own personal way and your own personal style. If you can also arrange some like one-on-one mentoring or a mentoring situation, I think that would be helpful too. In my last well, not my last role, the role before that, I had a mentor in that corporate space and we would have like monthly catch-ups and it was more just like a coffee, very like low-key. It wasn't anything super crazy, but we would talk about strategy. We would talk about how I was going with things. We would talk about plans and it just really kept me on the path that I wanted to be on and it helped me manage that and move into that next chapter of my life. The last thing I'm going to say is give yourself time. (laughs) I think stepping into a role like this for the first time can be really difficult and really challenging. As long as you are trying your best and you are giving it space and you are working to become a better leader, I think that is the best thing that you can do. I know that you also said, how do you manage that friendship and leadership at the same time? And I think that's something that you'll just need to learn to navigate with that time and space. As I said, everyone you manage is going to be so different. You can definitely still be their friend and still be their leader at the same time. And I think I would urge you just to look at those dynamics in your life. When have you been friends with a leader? When have you still respected someone but still had friendship there as well? And then try to emulate that for yourself too. Good luck. I would love to hear anyone else's leadership tips too. If you guys have any tips, feel free to drop them into the Facebook group as well because leadership, I feel, is a great skill to have whether you are working for someone, working for yourself, wanting to upskill in any area of your life. I think it's super important. We could even do a deeper dive or another episode on that if you wanted. All right, next question. This one is short and sharp, slight change of pace from the last. Question number two, do you believe in breaks in a relationship? And when I got this question, I was like, "Mm." I want to say no immediately, but I'm going to say it depends, okay? Because it depends on a lot. It depends on so much context. I don't have the context here. Personally, I'm going to say they're not for me. I wouldn't want to break. I don't like them. I haven't ever had any of my long-term partners request a break. And if I think back to any of my relationships where a break was even like considered, I feel like it was mainly just like the high school relationship where things maybe weren't as serious or we had no fucking idea what we were doing. But yeah, it definitely depends. And I want to know, like, who wants the break? What is the cause of the break? How long is this break? Like, I need to know details and I don't have them now. But at the same time, I thought about this long and hard and I never want to come on here and be black and white. And I know for a fact I'm going to have people listening that are like, I had a break and it worked out fine and it was all good and well. But I think those people are the exception to the rule. Personally, the idea of someone needing a break from me to decide if they want to be with me makes me feel physically unwell and it really triggers that rejection and like that feeling of not enough and I feel like that's why the thought of it just like makes like my skin shiver because I just dislike it so much so I guess that's where my bias is leaning in I'm acknowledging that and I also think it's just rare that a break is this transformative amazing thing for a couple usually when a break 
is coming up or a break is being discussed, it is because they're at breaking point, almost at a breakup. And sometimes it almost feels like the easier thing to do or the easier step to take. I think it's very rare where a break is mutually agreed to with very clear communication. There's a purpose, there's expectations, there's a time frame. there's goals for the break. And maybe the cause for the break is not a negative one. So maybe the break is because of work or family or other circumstances that aren't borderline breakup. And so I'm going to say those are rare. We can put those in the rare bucket. <laughs> if you are one of those people, good for you. I'm really happy for you. On the other hand, I don't think that breaks are a good way to go about things. And that's because the break is typically taken at a point where the couple is on that path to a very real breakup. And that's when trust may have been broken. <laughs> Maybe someone has done something to betray the other person. Maybe you're realizing that your values aren't aligned. Maybe you are scared to break up with them. And so instead of breaking up, you ask for a break. Or maybe your partner is scared. And instead of breaking up with you, they ask for a break, which I think is a very, I'm going to say, like coward thing to do. If you know you don't want to be with someone, cut them loose. I feel like it's better to rip the Band-Aid off than do that slow pull, especially in a situation like that. And so my answer here is it depends. I'm not going to say that I'm for or against it. I'm definitely leaning to against it. I would love to know what you guys think. I'm very curious. Do you like breaks? Have you had a break and has it worked? Have you had one and it worked? Have you taken one and then regretted it? And should you have broken up instead? Let me know in the thread for this episode in the Facebook group. Question number three, how do I navigate the feeling of being unwanted? I feel like I never get past the talking stage and I'm starting to feel like there is something wrong with me for real. And to this listener, firstly, I just want to say, I'm really sorry that you're feeling this way. There is nothing wrong with you. I can tell you that hand on heart, nothing wrong with you, especially not because you can't get past the talking stage. Let's not pin our self-worth to something external. Okay. I know that dating can be super difficult. <laughs> I think I come on here and I say that quite a bit. It can trigger lots of things in us, including that feeling of being unwanted, including that feeling of being rejected, including that feeling of not being enough. And my ultimate advice here is to just focus on you, work on your self-concept, and I'm going to give you some tips and tricks in a second, but also work on how you look at dating as well. Because I think there's two things going on here. The first thing being you and how you are looking at yourself. And then the second thing being how you are looking at dating. And so to work on your self-concept, the first thing that you need to do is to navigate and unpack what you are currently feeling okay now you've said here that you're feeling unwanted by whatever's going on so I would love for you to sit down grab a journal write down everything that's coming up for you when you are feeling unwanted what emotions are you feeling label that there is that thing in psychology where it's like you have to name it to tame it and that is legit it's not a joke when you give it airtime when you give it oxygen it helps it pass and it's also really nice to see, even though it can be uncomfortable, where it's coming from. So if you just give some space and time for that, you'll be able to hopefully unpack that a little bit more. The second thing is to accept that rejection is part of dating, but that it does not need to mean anything personally about you. Rejection in dating happens because it could be due to the other person's personal reasons or circumstances, or maybe we're not what they're looking for and that is okay. We don't have to make it mean something bad about us. I know it's really hard and I know it's really easy to want to do that. And so the next time that you are feeling this feeling, 
or you are feeling unwanted or you are feeling not chosen or you are feeling not enough, I want you to just look at the situation, take a step back and ask yourself, do you really even like them? Do you like them or are you just wanting them to like you? And I say that because that's something that I've personally struggled with as well in the past. And my psychologist gave me that way of looking at it like, Adele, do you really like them or are you just wanting them to like you? And when she did that, I was like, wow, mind blown (laughs) because it was true. And I think we can want people to want us and that can really tie that string between us and rejection really tightly and we shouldn't. And I think the other thing to note is like when you are putting yourself out there, you're more likely to get rejected, which fucking sucks, but it is part of it and it is part of the nature of dating and putting yourself out there. And then my last tip is to focus on your self-care. And this looks like filling up your cup. So I know that just by the way you've written this, it sounds to me that you could use a break. It sounds like you may be a little bit like fatigued from dating, which is so fine. Take a break from it. Pour into you. And I would also recommend just taking note and becoming aware of whatever language you're using with yourself and whatever self-talk you are using with yourself. When I say self-care, I don't always necessarily mean eye masks, hair masks, taking a bath, going to get a massage. Yes, that stuff helps as well. But It is really watching how you speak to yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you think about yourself and trying to see if you need to work on any of those areas because sometimes if we continually feed ourselves very negative, very harmful things, that can take a toll on us too and it definitely can be changed or worked on if you are wanting to do that. So if you're wanting to flip some of those narratives, flip some of that way of thinking, you can do that too. And as I said, possibly taking a break from dating. Now, I just want to quickly touch on why you're not getting past the talking stage. And I don't actually have a solid reason for you, okay? There are so many reasons why we don't get past a talking stage with somebody, okay? Maybe that person is not the right person for us. Maybe we aren't putting ourselves out there enough. Maybe they think we're not the right person for them. As I said, this is all natural and part of dating, A very uncomfortable thing to accept, but I think once you make peace with this, it does give you that clarity to then move forward. What I would recommend you doing is getting really clear on what you want before you start dating again. And so maybe that is sitting down and looking at what do you actually want moving forward? Do you want something casual and something fun? Do you want something serious and maybe a relationship? Get super clear on that so that when you do go out there and date, you can date with that intention, you can date with that clarity, and you can hopefully attract somebody who is wanting the same things as you. And then that could lead you down a path to finding someone more suited to you. Good luck. I'm sure you're not alone. I would actually love to hear from any listeners that have been single for a long time or were single for a long time and did have difficulties dating or getting past that talking stage and have then now ended up in a relationship because I know that there might be an element of things like we want things really quickly (laughs) and I've seen this even with some friends that have been single for like years and years and years and then recently have gotten into relationships or found their person or found someone to you know navigate their next step with and so I just don't want this listener to lose hope so if anyone wants to come and share that in the group please do I would love to hear that and I'm sure this listener would too all right our lucky last question Question number four, and I love this one too. How do I stay independent in my relationship? Do you have any tips? Yes, I definitely do. And I would love to do an episode on codependency as well. I feel like I've said that maybe in the past, but I'm a huge advocate 
of independence in a relationship. And I believe that it doesn't mean that you are trying to neglect your partner. It doesn't mean that you're trying to distance yourself from the relationship. It doesn't mean that you're trying to take a break. It doesn't mean that you want to break up. It makes a relationship stronger when you are pouring into yourself. How can you pour from an empty cup is what I'm trying to say. How can you pour into your relationship, into your partner, into other areas of your life if you are not looking after that relationship with yourself first or if your own cup is empty? And I can definitely resonate with this because this is a pattern that I had in my own previous relationships as well. Not the most recent one, but every single one before that, I had a tendency to do this. I would sacrifice the things that I wanted, sacrifice parts of my identity for the relationship. And that game only lasts so long. That pattern can only last so long. So if you are someone who feels like you are struggling with this or you want to work on your independence in your relationship, you absolutely can. And I feel like your relationship will actually benefit from it. My biggest tip here is to keep your individuality. And that looks like maintaining your hobbies, maintaining your interests, maintaining your friendships outside of the relationship, even the connection with your family, maintaining anything that brings you joy or is fun or makes you happy outside of the relationship. What this does is it keeps your sense of self and it helps your identity be multifaceted. Instead of your identity just being tied to being in a relationship with so-and-so, you're also the person who has these hobbies, has these interests, has these friendships, and you have different parts of your life, which helps you maintain that sense of self. Secondly, my tip is to communicate. And it can be really hard, I think, as well, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, And this is something that now you want to work on. But there are definitely moments at the start of a relationship, even years into a relationship, where you are able to assert yourself and step up and say and speak and ask for what you want and what you need. Communicating goes for needs, wants, boundaries. And I would recommend just practicing this or to start doing this if you are not already. And it's those little moments where you can advocate for yourself or you can speak up because you want to do something else instead, or you want to have a bit of time out because you want to do something for you or you need some space. Like it's stepping up for yourself in those moments. And it's really just being open and honest with your partner. You could even bring this up to them and even say, I love you and I adore you so much, but I'm feeling a little bit lost and I might need a little bit of time out, not from you or the relationship, but just for me so I can like reconnect with myself and I can try out this hobby. I don't know. I don't have much context here either, but I'm trying to give you an example of how you could go about that. What this will do is, and what I would actually recommend is you fostering that both ways, like encouraging your partner to also have that open and honest communication with you as well. It always will go both ways. And what I think that will do for the relationship is enable you both to have your needs met. On another topic, I feel like it's impossible for us to expect our partner to meet every single need that we had or that we have. And so it's important to be able to meet our own needs. But by having really clear communication, honest communication, you both should be able to have your needs met while building that strong connection. And then my last tip is to find a balance. (laughs) And I guess this is with everything that I talk about on this podcast, but I'm not talking about going like zero to a hundred, cutting your partner off. No, (laughs) I'm talking about a balance between the relationship and time out. And it's a sweet spot between your partner and personal time. It's very important to have time out for you for reflection or to relax or just for some quiet or for some fun and to pursue any of the other things that I spoke about. 
Now, I want to tell you a very quick, I think it's, we'll call it a metaphor. I think it is called a metaphor. But when I first started going to therapy, my psychologist at the time, and it's the same one. I don't know why I said it at the same time, but she said to me, because I was really struggling with that first breakup when I was living in Sydney. And I think the dynamic there was different for me because I was away from my family I was living with this guy and that relationship really did consume a lot of my identity and really aside from work and maybe the gym, the relationship was a large portion of it and she had given me this advice and I've carried it through dating and I carry it with me now where she said, your life is like a book and there are going to be chapters, there are going to be pages in there and we can't ever have all of the pages or all of the chapters just being one thing. Whether that's your partner, whether that's your job, whether that's the promotion that you want, whether it's the house that you want, whether it's we can't we can't allow one thing to just take up all of the pages in the book, right? Because what happens when we don't have that one thing? Or what happens if something happens to that thing? It can really cause us to be unsettled or not be able to just live and move and function. And so it's important to have some balance in the book. It's important to have different chapters, different characters. It's important to have different pages in there and really kind of just enjoy life in a balanced and holistic way. Good luck to this listener. The fact that you are aware and you are wanting to work on it tells me you're already on the right path. And if anyone wants to come into the group and share how they're navigating their own independence in a relationship, I'd love to hear it as well. But guys, we can wrap it up there. If you're not already, please follow us on Instagram, your safe space pod. I actually had a thought today and I'm like, I need to bring the giveaways back. So keep an eye out because they will be coming back soon. I want to do a whole heap of them before I head off to Europe. And yeah, if you're not already, give us a follow there. Follow me at Adele Marie. And then please join our beautiful Facebook group as well. It's your safe space podcast community. I love every single one of you in there. Thank you to all 4,900 of you. And please leave us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And also tag us in your story while you're listening. If you think this podcast has helped you in any way, shape or form, tell someone you love about it or put it on your story. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.